This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. This is Undaunted Life, a man's podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Thompson. Let's get into it. All right, guys, before we get into today's episode, I wanted to talk about the episode from a couple of weeks ago. So I did an episode number 85 on the poem, If, by Rudyard Kipling. And so uh, I got a really interesting message from one of our listeners, and I just wanted to share that with you. It's really quick. This is from a listener named Brian Austin. So this was a message that he sent me. Another great episode. Listen to half of it with my dad. He was tearing up as Dennis Hopper read it. He read me that poem when I was 14, I think, and he gave me a framed copy of it at my high school graduation. Just read both The Jungle Books and Ricky Ticky Tavi to the kids last year. Kipling is one of the greats. Thank you. And so that was kind of a cool deal. So if, if you missed that episode, episode 85, I'd suggest that you go back and check that one out. It was basically this uh, this poem on manhood and it wasn't until the very very end where it was revealed that this was basically a father talking to his son and saying hey if you do these things this is what you will become you will be a man my son and so that's really cool anytime I get an interaction with one of you guys when something hits you uh, directly so uh, guys if any of the content ever hits you in that way just hit me up info at undaunted.life that's the email info at undaunted.life but for today's episode we're going to be getting into a fairly controversial controversial topic. Uh, and for a lot of you guys, you're really just gonna have to follow me along here as much as you possibly can. But the, the thing that kind of preceded everything that we're going to be talking about today is because I said this during episode 84 of this podcast. The fourth observation I want to talk to you about is this, is that society is moving towards the normalization of pedophilia. And this is just another step in that direction. And now, obviously, this seems like a pretty, uh, pretty sizable shift up here, but you just have to think about this, guys. Again, this is Teen Vogue magazine. I, again, follow me here. Follow me. This is Teen Vogue magazine. And this is an article that essentially is encouraging girls below the age of 18, most of which are quite a bit below the age of 18, encouraging them to get into sex work because they're normalizing it. Hey, 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 you know that some people go out and they're bussers at Outback or they're, you know, they're helping people clean up stuff at the golf course or, you know, maybe they they got an internship with an accounting firm. But you know what? You could always just, you know, pull off your top, have people pay for it, give you one dollar bills. You get enough of those. You'll be fine. A few lap dances a night. That'll help pay the rent. But the big thing about it here is one of the things that predators love are underage individuals that believe that is what is happening to them is normal. Follow me again. Follow me here because one of the things that pedophiles do, you can see this. It's all over the literature and the research here with pedophiles is they are trying to groom the people, the young boys and the young girls over time so that they can eventually take advantage of them sexually. 
Because for a lot of these individuals, for a lot of these young people, let's just talk about young girls. If you were to just go right into the things that you eventually do with these girls from the very beginning, it's going to seem so otherworldly and so shocking and scarring that it's probably going to be a negative reaction. You're probably going to get caught because they're probably going to tell somebody. But you see this overwhelming amount of time and effort spent by these pedophiles to normalize their presence first normalize the fact that, you know, it's just normal that this person is around. And then it's just normal that this person's going to hug you a little bit longer than other people do. That it's normal that this person is going to touch you in areas and in ways that no one else does. And so on and so forth. Don't worry, I'm not going to go all the way with that particular line of thinking. But this is the best thing that a pedophile could think of. Because that's got to really try your patience if you're a pedophile. Right? Because you you just want to get your jollies off as quickly as possible. But if you have to spend weeks or months kind of normalizing and grooming this individual, gosh, it just kind of keeps you from getting to where you want to be, right? But whenever they think that this is normal, that if you just take payment as if this is just some sort of a service that you provide, right? Then that's great. And society is doing a lot of things. Now, I'll probably do an entire podcast episode on the future in this, but it seems like drag queens are everywhere right now, right? You know, we have drag queen story time at libraries and we have, you know, nine-year-old boys that are, you know, world famous as drag queens now. These highly sexualized forms of women, even though they are boys or young men. But if we normalize it, it's not going to be that big of a deal. And people always, whenever you start making the slippery slope argument, argument, they're like, oh gosh, here we go. This conservative Christian making the slippery slope argument. Here we go again. But the thing about it is, is that's how the world works. Because when you push past a certain line and that line becomes established, you can continue pushing past the new line that you've established. That's how slippery slopes work. Because there were things that, you know, one generation ago were absolutely unfathomable. You know, think about gay marriage. That was unfathomable one generation ago, and now it's old hat. Right now, it seems unfathomable that we would think that polygamy is something that we should be able to do. But if love is love, right? If love is just love, then then why can't a man have more than one wife? Why can't a, a woman have more than one husband? And then the line eventually is pushed to, well, if love is love, and I'm a 30 year old man, and you're a 15-year-old girl, well, that's enough for consent, right? We love each other. I mean, if love is love, right? You see what I'm saying? These arguments are absurd, but this is where society is pushing you. When society doesn't have anything to anchor itself to, namely a God that gave us these rules for morality, then we just have to make it up. And we make it up based on logic and reason alone, which takes us down this path. So obviously that is the the point that I was making there was a, a fairly sizable point for a lot of you guys. Maybe you've never thought about that before, but the thing about it is, is I'm not crazy because almost immediately I had people sharing this video with me 
and this is a video that I'm going to kind of break down for you. It was a TEDx talk. So if you're familiar with TED Talks, those are just kind of they they get people that are on the cutting edge of a lot of different things and they have them come up and give these uh, very uh, specific type speeches. They stand in one spot and blah, blah, blah. But I had multiple people share this. And one of those people was Jonathan West. Uh, He runs the Becoming Husband podcast. So shout out to Jonathan West for sharing this with me and make sure you check out his podcast, Becoming Husband. I've been interviewed on that before. It's it's a it's. Really, really solid podcast. The guy uh, really knows what he's doing over there. But they shared with me this video called Pedophilia is a Natural Sexual Orientation. So obviously that got my attention. I was like, all right, cool. So uh, this is going to be interesting. And so it took me uh, a little bit to get to the actually watching it because I wanted to make sure I could give it my full attention because it's about a 13 minute long video. But it's uh, presented by this woman named uh, Mirjam Heine. Uh, that's that's the best guess I'm going to give you. It's M-I-R-J-A-M, and last name is H-E-I-N-E. So I'm, I'm not exactly sure where she's from, but yeah, I don't exactly know how to say that. But this was a TEDx talk at the University of Würzburg. And so, um, again, it, it's just like, it's completely got me flummoxed already just because listening to this multiple times, like I, like I do with just about everything so I can share it with you guys, it was unbelievable what was being said here. And so what I want to do here is I want to go ahead and go into some of the things that she said. We're not going to listen to all 13 minutes or so, but I just want to kind of give you an idea of what people out there think, because there are people that think what I said about the slippery slope about, okay, we go from gay marriage to, uh, you know, having you know, polygamy uh, around to going to pedophilia, they think that that's like absolutely grossly overstated, right? Super hyperbolic. But I don't exactly think that's the case, right? So I'll provide the entire link for you here at the end so you guys can watch the video for yourself. But let's go ahead and go into this TEDx talk by Merjam Heine, and it's called Pedophilia is a Natural Sexual Orientation. Let me tell you about Jonas. Jonas is 19 years old. He studies law in Munich. In his spare time, he likes to play soccer. Jonas has a secret which he thinks he cannot share with anyone, not even with his best friend or with his parents. He's just too afraid of anger, rejection and repulsion. Jonas knows that he has to suppress his sexual drive for his entire life. And he also knows that there will never be a loving and fulfilling partnership that he can enter. Because Jonas is a pedophile. He's only attracted to female children between the ages of 6 and 12 years. But since he's aware of the consequences for the children, he has never given in to his sexual drive. So, how's that for an intro? (laughs) I mean, yes. Here's the thing, just to point off right off the bat. She sounds like a satanic robot. So let's just go ahead and get that out of there in, in the very beginning because it doesn't change. There's no inflections. There's nothing that changes in terms of her presentation. That's pretty much what it is. 
Okay, but I do want to kind of draw your attention to something. She's trying to personalize something from the very beginning. I'm not perfectly convinced that this Jonas person even exists, but his name pops up several times throughout this. But let's go ahead and continue. We'll get back into the speech here. What is pedophilia? And what is it not? In the ICD-10, the International Classification System for Illnesses, pedophilia is coded as the sexual preference for pre-adolescent children. It is listed under the sexual disorders. Whether the persistent occurrence of sexual thoughts and feelings for pre-adolescent children have been acted upon or not is not relevant to the diagnosis. Like every other sexual orientation, pedophilia can have different characteristics. Hold up, wait a minute. What was that last part? Wait, 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 what was that last part? Like every other sexual orientation, pedophilia can have different characteristics. Like every other sexual orientation, pedophilia can have different characteristics. Well, now isn't that interesting? She just kind of slyly sneaks in that pedophilia is an accepted sexual orientation. That, that that's somehow just a thing. This is a thing that just happens. Hmm. Now, the only problem that we see here is that there's no biology behind any of that. Uh, I mean, there's really nothing that can kind of prove that. But it's, it's very effective for her in this to say something like that because again she's not only tried to personalize it by this point she's also trying to legitimize it and give it actual footings so i mean she's nothing if not good at what she's doing i mean she got a ton of thumbs downs on this presentation on youtube but hey that's neither here nor there let's go ahead and get back into it for example it can be heterosexual it can be homosexual bisexual Some pedophiles are exclusively attracted to children. Others are not exclusively attracted to children, but they are also sexually interested in adults. But their main sexual interest lies within children. Only if this main sexual interest is given, we talk about pedophilia. So, apparently that's all we need to know. We are just going to take this woman's word for it. This is just kind of a natural thing that none of us should be able to judge because this is just basically how this person is wired, right? Just like if you were homosexual or bisexual or transsexual or any of those things, that's wiring. Uh, I mean, according to this person, right? Not, not really according to anything else, but definitely according to this person. But now she's going to talk a little bit about demographics. So let's get back into it here. The vast majority of all pedophiles are men. About 99%. Within the male population, 1% to 2% are considered to be pedophiles. This translates to about 60 million people worldwide. This is as much as the population of Italy or of South Africa. Therefore, pedophilia is not an irrelevant phenomenon we can't simply ignore. Chances every one of you knows at least one pedophile are higher than that you don't know anyone. 
Now, this is pretty straightforward stuff. This is just demographic information. I, I would be curious here, however, to kind of get an idea of how exactly do you get that number? How exactly do you get these percentage numbers? Because again, kind of the whole thing that's undergirding what she's saying here is that, and we'll get more into this a little bit later, it'll kind of be revealed, but it's like, okay, society is basically keeping these people in the dark, right? With, with how we act. And so that that's interesting that we have all these numbers, but let's just say that that were true. Let's say that these are acceptable numbers, which sure, I'm, I'm willing to concede that that's an acceptable amount. That's gotta be scary. I mean, think about that, dads. I mean, for your boys and your little girls, it's just like, man, you, you got to really, really reckon with that. Now, there, there's other statistics that show kind of, you know, the propensity for women to be pedophiles, but it is overwhelmingly male. I mean, almost 100%. But I mean, at the very least, that's got to be a nice little warning signal for you guys, uh, for any of you guys that don't like paying attention, that like your uh, to have your heads in your phone whenever your kids are out and about kind of doing their thing. Uh, that's a little something to remind you that you got to be uh, aware uh, at all times as to uh, what's going on. So we're going to go ahead and get back into this uh, this talk here, because now she's going to start trying to separate a couple of things. She's going to start trying to separate pedophilia and child sexual abuse, and she does it fairly creatively. So let's go back into it here. It is crucial to understand the difference between pedophilia and child sexual abuse, which is illegal and must always be. Pedophilia is only the sexual preference for pre-adolescent children. The difference between child sexual abuse and pedophilia becomes very obvious when we look at scientific studies. Think about it for yourself. What do you think? What percentage of child molesters are pedophiles? Have a guess. Is it 20%, 40 60 Maybe even 80%? In fact, scientific studies indicate that only 20 to 30% of all child molesters are pedophiles. The vast majority of perpetrators are not pedophiles, but they're sexually interested in adults. Children can easily become victims of child sexual abuse because of their loyalty and because of ease of access. For example, a stepfather might abuse a stepdaughter because he feels anger or jealousy towards her mother. Not every pedophile abuses children. And not everyone who abuses children is a pedophile. Not everyone that abuses children is a pedophile. Huh. Very interesting. Where is she coming up with this? Like, where does that line of reasoning come from? So you can see her do something kind of slick there uh, towards the end of this little uh, little area that we kind of pulled out. She talked about how, you know, a lot of it is just because the kids are, are around and, and they have easy access to them. It's almost as if she's putting the onus on the kids. And and then ergo, you kind of see that she's putting the onus on the parents of these children, which I can obviously see that. I feel like we should have some responsibility there. I just talked about it here just a couple of minutes ago. But this idea that these children, not that not everyone that abuses children is a pedophile is insane. It is literally insane. 
So she's trying to, to build this argument again, thinking in terms of this Jonas person that may or may not exist. She's trying to build this argument that basically this isn't necessarily the pedophile's fault, right? And, and the thing about it is, is like, you can be a pedophile and not do anything wrong. And so, so pedophilia is just this natural inclination and bend within your brain. But the way that she's building the argument is, is fairly disturbing. And that has a lot to do with the fact that she basically said that not everyone that abuses a child is actually into the child sexually. She, she almost explicitly says that she says a lot of it has to do with them, you know, basically trying to get back at, you know, the kid's parents, like, like really that's, that's your argument. Like what? That doesn't make any sense. Now, are there certain people that do things? I mean, obviously you, you don't have to look very far, farther than the uh, drug cartels, the things that they do to the families of people that have wronged them or double crossed them or stolen from them. Obviously there are people that do things to children and family members just to teach people a lesson, but that's not necessarily what we're talking about here, right? We're, we're, we're not talking about Mexican drug cartels. We're not talking about the Sinaloa cartel here. We're talking about dudes hanging out by the playground. This is a very different scenario, but she's painting with such a broad brush. But again, she kind of brings up her, her big statement here in just one second. So let's go ahead and play that and then we'll talk about it. According to current research, pedophilia is an unchangeable sexual orientation, just like, for example, heterosexuality. No one chooses to be a pedophile. No one can cease being one. The difference between pedophilia and other sexual orientations is that living out this sexual orientation will end in a disaster. And there you go. That's her main point. It is an unchangeable sexual orientation. Otherwise, she would be saying this is normal. This is to be expected. Because everything that she says after this is basically based off of that. That this is normal, that there's nothing really broken about it, Almost that it's, it's just kind of unfortunate that it's illegal. It's very unfortunate because poor Jonas can never actually have what he wants sexually, right? That's basically where she's going for this. But now she's going to start pointing fingers. How did we even get here? So let's think about Jonas again. How can we help him not to cause such a disaster? How can we help him not to live out his sexual urges? How can we prevent child sexual abuse? In fact, scientific studies indicate that one of the strongest predictors for child sexual abuse committed by pedophiles is social isolation. And there you go, social isolation. This is kind of a favorite tactic of people that kind of align with the more liberal kind of leftist ideology that, oh, we can't put the responsibility on the person, whatever the person is and what they're doing. It's our responsibility. Got it? It is our responsibility. We hear the same dumb arguments for trans people and things like that. Like, oh, because if you bring up something like the suicidality of people that actually go through with the sex change operation, that their suicidality skyrockets. It's actually the highest suicidality of any demographic group on the planet Earth. It's like, oh, it's because they've been bullied. And that's, that's the only reason they give. 
And which is not to say that, you know, these children or these adults have never been bullied or, or, you know, maligned or any of those types of things. But at the same time to say that that is the reason is rich. Like, really? I mean, they're trying to make us feel bad that these individuals can't act out sexually. Again, when she goes into this little diatribe, she mentions Jonas again. Jonas was one of the first words out of her mouth. She wanted us to consider this person so that we could feel bad for him. And and to a certain degree, we should pity this person, that they have this proclivity apparently in their brain. But what we should not do is feel bad for him because he can't act out on it. And that is exactly what this person is trying to do. Exactly what she's trying to do. And a few minutes later in the presentation, she keeps going. We shouldn't increase the suffering of pedophiles by excluding them, by blaming and mocking them. By doing that, we increase their isolation and we increase the chance of child sexual abuse. You see, it's on us. It's our fault. We are responsible. Because we increase the chances of child sexual abuse if we malign these people. If we say what they're doing or what they're thinking is evil. It's on us, guys. Don't you understand? She's just trying to help us understand. So she talked for a few more minutes on there. And then I just got, you know, I got stuck. (laughs) I went down a rabbit hole on this one. And so I'm sure I'm on some sort of watch list somewhere now because of all the different Google searches I did trying to like research pedophilia and things like that. But believe it or not, there was another TEDx talk about this subject. And, and I was thinking that potentially this could be something that was on the other side, right? So this was a TEDx at Siddard Gillen, I think is how you say it. And it's by another person with a hard to pronounce name, but it's uh, Madeline Vanderbruggen. So we'll go with that. Vanderbruggen. I like to say that. That's a strong name. But the name of this talk was Let's Be Mature About Pedophilia. So just listening to that right there, you might think to yourself, that could go either way. We don't really know. So we're going to break down a few pieces of this presentation as well. So let's go ahead and go into the intro for Let's Be Mature About Pedophilia. At some point last year, this article showed up in newspapers all over the world. The police had taken down this massive child pornography network. It was on the dark net and it had nearly 90,000 members. Lots and lots of illegal material was shared and lots of messages were sent through the network. Every day, every hour, every second. People from all over the world were logging into this network anonymously, which makes it extremely difficult for the police to track them down. Now, some of these people only had the aim of collecting child abuse material online. Others also had the aim of abusing children themselves. Regardless, they all found this deep satisfaction in discussing their deepest fantasies and experiences with regards to child abuse online. Apparently, there's a market for this. Well, this makes me ask the question, how can we keep the world of the Internet safe for our children? How can we reduce and maybe even eliminate the problem of child exploitation online? Well, that's quite a question to ask. As a psychologist, uh, having worked directly with sex offenders previously and now working for the Dutch National Police Child Exploitation Unit, I can simply tell you this. Unfortunately, we will never be able to eliminate every possible risk out there. 
However, there are definitely ways of making the world of the internet a safer place for our children. And the criminal justice system is one solution, but if we want to do more, I need the help of all of you. And in the next 15 minutes or so, I will tell you exactly what we can do and why. So at this point, you got to feel pretty good about where this is going. I mean, this is a woman that is in law enforcement. She's very well-spoken, obviously intelligent. And you're thinking, okay, this is going to be a little bit different than the last video that we watched. It's going in a positive direction. We like this. So let's see if she keeps it up. Well, this may sound really shocking, but it's not really surprising considering that international research repeatedly portrays that 0.5 up to even 3% of our male population has some form of pedophilic interest. I'm talking about our male population here today because that's what most research is conducted on. I'm not saying that females don't have this difficulty at all, it's just few is known about them. But 0.5 up to 3%. Consider the Netherlands... We have 8.5 million men in total. So this percentage equates with 42,500 up to 255,000 men. That's all inhabitants of a medium-sized city in the Netherlands. To make it even more concrete, I was told that there's about 200 of you in the audience today. Well, looking at you, I think there's slightly more females than males, but... Let's say that there's 80 males of you here today in the audience. We can all do the maths now, can't we? Statistics indicate that there will be one or two of you who are struggling with some form of pedophilic interest. And what this means is that most probably there will be someone in your environment, someone you know, someone like your neighbor, like your colleague, like your football mate, maybe even your husband or son, who is struggling with these sort of feelings. The only thing is, you don't know about it. And here we get to a notion that I really want to emphasize, because even though these percentages are massive, most of these people know that they have feelings that they should repress. So most of these people don't act out on it. They don't offend Which is great, isn't it? But the problem is, these people can't talk about their feelings because they know that they will be hated for it. I truly do believe that every person is longing for love at some point in their life. And what if this love that you really wish for will forever be impossible? That must be a really lonely situation to be in. It's like telling me, we know that you love your boyfriend and we don't minimize this love. However, you cannot act out on it ever. And on top of that, you won't be able to talk about it with anyone. So unfortunately, sometimes it does go wrong. Sometimes people do start offending. And I'm not justifying this. On the contrary, I I work for police. I'm just saying that it's a logical thing to happen. So it was like, I'm with you. I'm with you. Yes, stats. I'm with you. Stats. This is bad news. And then it's, oh, isn't it so sad that these men can't rape underage children? 
Isn't that just so sad that these guys are never going to be able to get their jollies off? Gosh, we just got to feel really, really bad for them. Again, this is another person in a different country that is giving you the same line of thinking. The same line of thinking. So you have to start asking yourself around this point, like, is this normal? I remember whenever I was watching these, I was like, am I the weirdo here? I was like, I feel like this is insane because it almost sounds plausible, right? It's like, ah, you know, this person wants to do this thing and they can't do that thing. So that's, that's bad. But it's like, what is the thing though? I mean, that's what we really need to get into is, is what is the thing? But this next section here, she kind of gets into her main point for her whole speech. So what do we do with this knowledge? Well, I think there will be many of you telling me now, you know what, let's just ban all these people from society. Let's just lock them all up and let's just leave them somewhere far away from our children. And from an emotional point of view, I can kind of understand what you're saying. I became an auntie last year for the first time. My little nephew, he, he just turned one absolutely crazy about the little boy and and we just got back from a family holiday and we really enjoyed the sun and the beach the weather was lovely and I simply cannot imagine the possibility that my little nephew wouldn't be able to walk around in his swimming wear because some adult would be sexually attracted to him yes from an emotional point of view I can kind of understand that you want to, would want to eliminate these people from society However, it doesn't make sense. And that's because we're talking about biology. We're talking about a sexual orientation. Something that we simply cannot change. And on top of that, every day new people are born with the same difficulty. So it's not practical to eliminate these people from society. They haven't done anything wrong. So rather than letting our emotions rule... Please, let's be mature about this problem. Let's think about clever solutions. Guys, 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 let's just be mature about this. Let's be mature. Let's just find some clever solutions to the problem here. What's the problem? Oh, people that want to rape children. Ah, it's just like having sewage back up in your house or, you know, a, a speed bump that goes awry. It's something like that. Right? It's a pothole. It's just a problem. We just need to fix it. Whoa, man. It's just like, you just wonder. You just wonder how someone gets to that point. Because we just need to be mature, right? Again, it's on us. If we would just be mature, this problem would basically fix itself. Because guys, it's biology. It's just biology, right? That's all we need here. We just need biology. And she continues. I can ensure you that law enforcement is working really, really hard every day to get a grip on this problem. There's a great focus on prioritization and working on the most dangerous offenders, the most extreme cases. And to get back to the newspaper article that I showed you in the beginning, I started with a bit of a negative vibe because I wanted to make you aware of the problem that we're facing. But at the same time, Behind the scenes, law enforcement is working really hard. They're professionalizing and working together internationally to really get a grip on the tip of the iceberg of people active on these networks. And I must say, I'm really proud. 
However, we can do so much more. And in order to do so, I need your help of every single one of you out there. Because law enforcement only is not going to arrest their way out of this problem. And that's because we're talking about a public and a mental health issue, which is a shared responsibility for all of us. Boom. So there's some good here. She mentions that it's a mental health issue. But here's the problem. This is a woman that very much so seems to be coming from a, a more leftist point of view, more leftist ideology, more on that here in ju- on just a second. But um, the, the thing about it is, is, is they don't like using things like biology to describe things that they're trying to normalize. So normalizing homosexual behavior, normalizing transgenderism. These are things that they don't want to lean on biology because biology actually argues against what they want. It cuts against what they want. So it's very interesting to mention mental health here when you're not exactly looking to use that as the foundation for your argument. You just kind of throw that in there. I don't know if it's to sound smarter or sound advanced, but it doesn't really do you any justice. But let's go ahead and get into her outro here, and this will be the last clip we'll have from her. So how can we be open about a problem now? How can we break the taboo? Well, first of all, let's stop with hate. Let's stop with negative vibes in the media. And let's stop with throwing rocks at offenders' houses. Because it's not going to take us anywhere. It's never going to solve this problem. But rather, please, let's be rational about this problem. Let's talk about it. Let's be open and let's be a mature society. What if your son would approach you one day and would tell you that he's struggling with pedophilic feelings? Would you beat him up? Or would you want to help? It's only with this openness that people will find the strength to come forward And that people will find the help they need. And I truly do believe that this will bring us one step closer to prevention. However, as for me, if this talk or even my daily job helps to saving only just one child, for me, that's a solution in itself. Thank you very much. So she kind of makes herself a martyr there at the end. And that's kind of one of those things, like if you don't have that strong of a point, you basically just say, if this makes a difference for just one person, it's blah, 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 it's worth it. It's what, and I get it. I understand that it is, it is worth it and all those things, but it's just like, okay, pat yourself on the back and then move on with your day. I I get it. But the thing about it is, is in that outro, it, it just didn't land the way that she wanted. Because again, she's trying to make us feel bad for these people. She's making us feel bad that that they can't act out in the way that they want to act out. And she's basically like, come on, guys, let's let's get rid of the negative vibes, you know, like, let's just do like some posy vibe type stuff. Let's have that instead. It's like, uh, come on. Like, it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense to operate in that way. But but that's the thing is, as you continue researching these and I'll give you the links to both of these so you can watch them for yourself. You just have to think, like, isn't this a little bit concerning? Because these are two presentations. I think both of them took place in Europe. And typically the United States culturally is a little bit downstream of Europe, especially politically as well. That's why you got to be a little bit concerned about some of the things that you're seeing in some of the nations over in Europe. Uh, Because if that's the direction that we're headed, we're in for a rude awakening. And so is our liberty. But we have to be clear about something here as we as we take into account the things that were said in those first two speeches. There is no 
scientific proof whatsoever that pedophilia is biological or genetic. None. There's no such thing as a pedophilic gene. It doesn't exist. The same thing with homosexuality. You hear, you know, again, like I talked about it, things being old hat. Homosexuality is just this accepted thing. But scientists have been trying to prove for decades that there is a genetic proclivity towards homosexuality and they can't prove it. And one of the biggest reasons that they can is if you look at identical twins, you'll have one that's homosexual and one that's not. If you have identical twins, one might be a pedophile and the other's not, right? And it's just absolutely crazy to them that, that these things can happen whenever they're looking at the genes and they're looking at the biology, they're looking at the DNA and they just don't get an answer. But again, if you argue these points of view on subjects like pedophilia or transgenderism or homosexuality, if you argue these points of view, you can't use biology. You just can't. I mean, and guys, go ahead and send me the, some of these stories that we got recently. There was one that came out in the last month or so where it's like, oh, they think they've cracked the code on uh, genetic homosexuality or something like that. No, they didn't. They weren't even close, but they got a headline, got a lot of clicks, right? But all of that information that was kind of going on there and all the research I did and all the reading, which God, it's just going to scar me for life, but it, I'm giving it to you guys. So say thank you. All right. But it led to this. It's that society is normalizing pedophilia. And I know I'm repeating an argument I made last time, but that's the thing. It just seems so crazy to even say that right now, doesn't it? But it's true. They're normalizing it. These talks are popping up. Blogs are popping up. Things just kind of pop up and it's just kind of being snuck in along with some other things. It's being packaged, you know, LGBTQ plus. Is there going to be a P in that plus at some point? For pedophilic people, people that that feel like they are attracted to young children, it's not insane to say that. And the thing is, is leftists, liberals, secularists, people with no Judeo-Christian framework, they're to blame for this. I mean, it's not the Christians, it's not the conservatives that, that are sneaking in this language, right? I mean, that would be absurd but they're just kind of sneaking it in little by little. And it is creating a slippery slope. So some of you guys may know who Matt Walsh is. Uh, we, we watch him and, and listen to him and read some of his stuff here at Undaunted Life, but he works for the Daily Wire and he's a guy that really does not pull punches in the things that he says. And I, I can't remember where this clip came from. I think it was from something at the end of last year, but it's just a few minutes on him talking about the slippery slope of pushing transgenderism on kids. So you have to see the connection between what I just said and what Matt's going to say here. Kids really at any age, they say, possess the knowledge and the foresight and the the wisdom um, and the power to choose their own gender. So the left has no problem with the idea of an elementary school boy transitioning um, into a girl. They say, well, if that's what he chooses, then, then it's okay. Um, they have no problem even with kids, young kids taking drugs, uh, puberty blockers, hormones to essentially chemically castrate themselves, even if temporarily in order to facilitate this, this transition. Um, they think that kids can consent to that. Now, this raises a very important question, I think. If a child is too young 
to consent to having sex, how is he at the same time old enough to consent to changing his sex? I mean, the consent laws are based on the correct idea that that children do not have the mental or physical capacity to really fully consent to sexual activity. They just they 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 are not able to consent to it because they don't have a full concept of what it even is. And because they're young kids, they also don't have the power in in any situation to um to to consent, to say no. Um so that's why we have the consent age where it is. That's why we say that kids can't consent. But if they don't have that capacity, um, how are they possibly able to, to choose to transition? If they can't choose to have sex, how can they choose to transition? How do they have, if they don't have the wisdom and the knowledge and all of that and the maturity uh, for, for one of those things, how do they have it for the other? So obviously there's a contradiction here. The people that are pushing transgenderism on kids are also at the same time, by necessity, pushing an entirely different idea about consent and about the mental capacities and the maturity of children. Which is why I believe the, push, the people that are pushing transgenderism will soon enough be pushing pedophilia. The, the two things kind of go hand in hand. Because in order to to make their case that kids can make this choice, they have to tell us that actually, no, kids have all the knowledge and power and, and maturity that they need. So when pedophilia is normalized in our culture, and I think that it will be soon enough, this is the vehicle by which it will reach that state of normalization. And this is, this is the reason why. This is one of the reasons why this issue really matters. This is why it's important. Because what we're seeing here is an attack on kids, an attack on childhood. And it's not going to stop with just this. It's not going to stop with just the transgender stuff. Nothing ever stops. You know, you never get to a point, um, especially with the left, when they're, when they're, they never stop, if you've noticed. that Once they achieve one thing, they get to one landmark, they're going to want to go on to the next. That's, what, that's how it always works. So soon enough, the people that are saying that kids are old enough to consent to changing their sex will also be arguing that kids are old enough to consent to having sex. And this is not some kind of like far-fetched scenario, okay? Pedophilia has been in the past and is now today in some cultures considered normal. Um, Ancient pagan cultures had no problem with it. It's a relatively normal practice in some parts of the world even today. So it's by no means impossible or even implausible that we in our culture could slide back into that state of things. But there has to be a catalyst for it. There has to be something that sparks the change. And I think this is it. This is what will spark it. Um, And so this is why we need to pay attention. I mean, it's kind of hard to disagree with his argumentation there. Because, again, we've seen this play out before. We've seen this play out in other areas. But, again, his, his main point being that if we say children have the wherewithal to be able to consent to changing their gender and say that they somehow can't consent to what they do with those sexual organs, right? It doesn't make any sense. You have to take this to its logical outcome, which is insane, which is absolute insanity. But at the same time, this is the logical outcome. 
And then a little while later, well, this was actually just released earlier this June, uh, Matt Walsh wrote a blog on his website basically saying how the left is normalizing pedophilia right in front of our eyes. Not It wasn't his website. It was on the Daily Wire. So it's a short one. So I just want to read it to you here. So here we go. Twitter just announced that it has zero tolerance for child sexual exploitation, yet it has allowed this video from Vice. And the video was basically uh, showing these young boys. There was like four or five of them that are being celebrated as these drag kids. So let's get back in the article. Both portraying and glorifying child sexual exploitation to remain on its platform. The Vice video is a fun and whimsical look at the community of young boys who dress in women's clothing and dance for the perverted entertainment of adults. Vice proudly announced that these children are the next generation of drag queens, but they are not really a part of the next generation. They are the current generation, or more like current crop, of a new type of drag performer. New, that is, to the West. Over in places like Afghanistan, it has long been customary to have young boys in female attire dance for the pleasure of grown men. We have now adopted a similar custom, but under the guise of progressivism. The left has become increasingly obsessed with dressing boys up like girls and parading them around, literally parading them around in some cases, like when the L.A. Pride Parade had a seven-year-old boy, quote, strutting, unquote, in high heels at the head of the procession. Little attempt is made anymore to hide the sexual nature of the drag kid phenomenon. Remember, for instance, the drag kid who was posed naked with a man and the drag kid who danced at a gay bar while men tossed money at him. This should put things into perspective for those still obtuse and oblivious enough to think that the drag queen story hours popping up at libraries across the country are just a bit of harmless fun. Hundreds of libraries have hosted events to bring children and cross-dressing men together. There is, of course, no practical or coherent reason why a man has to dress like a woman from the Tim Burton movie in order to read a book to children. The decision to add that macabre and grotesque element into the equation is purposeful, and the purpose is to get children, boys especially, accustomed to idea of cross-dressing. The sexual exploiters of children want to ensure that there will be a constantly refreshed supply of baka boys, or drag kids as we call them here in this country. Follow the trajectory, and it's not hard to see where we go next. Ten years ago, there was no such thing as drag kids or drag queen story hours. Leftists would have called you a paranoid lunatic had you predicted that such things would come to pass. Now, both are utterly commonplace, yet leftists will insist that even though grown men in dresses like to hang out with little children at libraries and adults like to go to gay bars to watch boys dance around in skirts and high heels, there is nothing sexual about any of it. Ten years from now, or maybe sooner, they will admit that this is sexual, but insist that there is nothing wrong with a young boy or a grown man getting together, or a young boy and a grown man getting together, so long as it is consensual. You don't need to be Nostradamus to see this next step. It is right in front of us, clear as day. Leftism is an active threat to our children. This is why we cannot compromise with it or seek common ground. What kind of common ground can a sane and moral person find with those who think it's acceptable to have a 10-year-old perform at a gay bar? It is an evil ideology through and through, and we must defeat it, or else watch our children be destroyed by it. So again, guys, uh, Matt uh, Walsh has a very different kind of perspective, and he comes out in a different way, but you just got to look at it and understand that how is he wrong? Like really reason through that in your brain. Even even if you consider yourself to be more on the left side of things, I don't care. This isn't a right wing conservative podcast, even though I hold a lot of those views. This is just a thing thing at this point. If you've seen some of these videos, they're absolutely disturbing. 
uh, the, I saw the video of the little boy dancing at a gay bar in these men throwing dollar bills at this like nine year old boy that's dressed up as a girl. I mean, it's insane. And the thing is, is what are the parents doing? Like the parents actually think this is a normal thing until it gets a little bit out of hand. There was actually this thing that came up a couple of weeks ago where there was this mom that was quote unquote disturbed by a pedophile that was lusting over her 12 year old drag queen son. Think about how ridiculous that is that I even had to read that sentence. Okay. So this pedophile was basically giving approval to her son and basically uh, she was like, oh, that's disturbing, but she's the one that brought the boy. She's the one that brought him to this event where he could be lusted over by a grown man while he's sitting there in women's clothing, girls clothing that presumably the mother provided for him. It's insanity. It's insipid. But that's the thing, guys, is this is all part of the game plan to normalize this. And for us as Christians, we have to understand where this is coming from. The United States is being given over to our sin. In this country, we've killed over 60 million babies in the last 40 years, 60 million babies in the womb. We're allowing things like, like gay marriage and we're allowing things like this transgenderism to sweep over. And we think it's just harmless that, you know, a biological boy is competing against the girls in a high school sport. It's like, oh, it's no big deal. We think these things are no big deal. And I bet you this mom thought it was no big deal until a grown man started lusting after her 12 year old son the 12-year-old son that she thought it was maybe just a phase or maybe she thought it was cute that he wanted to dress in women's clothing or as we've seen with some places, the women are actually encouraging their boys to wear girls' clothes, almost telling them to do so at threat of punishment. This is going in a certain direction, guys. And, and a lot of guys don't like talking about this. I mean, even just, I brought this up that I was doing research for this podcast and a lot of guys didn't really have a whole lot to say. They're like, oh, that's kind of weird. It's like, yeah, it is weird, but it's right in front of us. I mean, do you remember what your reaction was the first time you heard about a drag queen story hour in your community? This is part of their plan. This is part of the secularist plan. Again, you don't get drag queen story hour when you have a Judeo-Christian worldview that's soaked in the reality of the gospel. You don't get that. But for a lot of you guys, you have to think to yourselves, is this okay? Because there's a lot of liberal denominations out there that are allowing homosexuals in the pulpit. They're allowing transgenderism around people. I even heard about uh, there was a pastor that's inviting this drag queen to come and speak to his church. Talk about normalization. The thing about it is, is this doesn't mean that we shouldn't be there for these people and that we should chastise them to the point where we can't even share the gospel with them. That's not what we're talking about. But at what point are we going to stand up for truth? At what point are we going to call a spade a spade? This is unacceptable. And for those of you out there with kids, am I wrong? Drag queen story hour, if, if they brought one in to speak to, uh, to your first graders class, would you be the first parent down there to complain? Would you pull your kids out of that school to put them in a private school or a Christian school or homeschool? Would you, would you be willing to do that? Or is it, ah, you know, it's just kind of harmless. They're probably not even going to remember that that happened. You can't underestimate how big these experiences are for kids. 
and how much it directs their path for the future. Things that they see as normal as they're five, six, seven, 10, 12 years old, they see as normal for the most part for the remainder of their lives, unless they have some sort of otherworldly transfiguring experience, like potentially becoming a, a Christ follower. And so for all of you guys, I, I know this was a tough subject for a lot of people, and this is kind of a weird thing to talk about in this manner, but at the same time, you guys got to get real. This is all around us, and it's not going to just go away either. A lot of the reason why these guys don't have a whole lot to say because they figure if they just keep their head down and you know plug their ears long enough that this isn't going to happen anymore, that this is just a phase, that all of a sudden the drag queens aren't going to be at the library the next time that they show up. Get real, guys. It's only going to get worse. All right, guys, before we let you go, we're going to do a quick resilience boost. As you know, by now, we are a men's ministry and our mission is cultivating manly resilience. Specifically, we do that by providing content like this podcast that helps you forge spiritual, mental, and physical toughness. So the mental resilience boost today is just going to be a rundown of all the stuff that we had. So it's going to be the first two TED Talks here. So the first one was pedophilia is a natural sexual orientation. And the second one was let's be mature about pedophilia. And then I've got the entire episode where we basically get Matt Walsh making the argument that the left is normalizing pedophilia. And then I have a link to the article that I read for you as well. Thanks for listening, guys. We really do appreciate it. If you would, please subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play and refer your friends to listen to this. If you use the hashtag UndauntedLife on social media, we'll be sure to find your post and give it a thumbs up. Guys, if we deserve a five-star review, that is how this podcast is going to continue to grow. The algorithms love five-star reviews, and we are still currently five-star reviewed. So please leave us five stars and give us a few sentences letting us know why you like the content. Guys, I'm currently booking speaking engagements for the remainder of 2019 and the beginning of 2020. So if you want me to come speak on your podcast, to your men's event at your team, whatever the thing may be, hit me up via email, info at undaunted.life. That's I-N-F-O at undaunted.life. The website is www.undaunted.life and you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at undauntedlife or facebook.com backslash undauntedlife. Check out our free devotionals on the YouVersion Bible app. Just search Undaunted Life under plans. And as always, we want to thank the band August Burns Red for allowing us to use their entire music library for our content. The intro outro track on this podcast is their song King of Sorrow, which is off their latest record entitled Phantom Anthem. The links are in the description. I'm your host, Kyle Thompson. Remember, keep cultivating manly resilience, keep forging spiritual, mental, and physical toughness, keep seeking the Lion of Judah.